You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with a special guest, Kyle Loomis. Kyle, how are you doing? Special guest? You mean you act like I've never been on this show before? Never. No, I'm just kidding. You were the founder of the show. <laughs> I mean, I was the founder with two other guys, one of those yeah, being your usual co-host here. So, I mean, yeah. I, I guess I will take that as a compliment, special guest. I mean, I don't know if you mean special in yeah. a good way or a bad way, but hey, I'll take He's, it. You're my special friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about uh, some Auburn football against Washington. Uh, this was quite an odd one. I, I got the privilege of going with Kyle and his two brothers to this game. Uh, and it was a fun one and a scary one. And then a fun one at the end. Uh, we ended up becoming the victors of this battle, uh, 21 to 16. Yes, kind of an odd score, but that was having to do with going for uh, two on two different times uh, after scoring touchdowns, um, but ended up in the end as victors. Uh, Kyle, what's your overall thoughts on this game and how Auburn did? Well, I'm looking back to what I predicted this score to be uh, by the end of the game was 23-20 to 20 Auburn, and it's pretty close to that, I think. Um, you know, I don't think you could get a whole lot closer than that. Um, except, you know, I guess if you were 22-20. But regardless yeah. of that, this turned out exactly how I thought it might. Um, Auburn starting fast, slowing down, frustratingly so, like mind-numbingly slow, <laughs> and then yeah. finally deciding to do something uh, to change things up a little bit or actually follow through with the game plan that they have and end up on top of a Washington team, a very good Washington team that I thought of, uh, at least that I saw on the field that day. It made for a very fun and, and at time frustrating game, but I am so glad that I was there in person with you and my brothers to see this. Yeah, and I was very glad I did. I, I, for the longest time, I was just kind of, uh, I just wanted to just watch it from home because the last two times I was in the Mercedes Benz, it, it, it gave me, like I said, the Benz because it just <laughs> left me feeling real sick after. Um, and regardless, uh, of those outcomes, I'm glad we came out on top this time. It kind of gets us out of that weird mojo kind of thing of losing the Mercedes Benz. Because hey, if we we keep this up, we have a chance to go to the SEC championship and be in the Mercedes Benz again at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't understand the whole mojo thing of it. I I mean, I guess I can see you can look at the trend and say yes, we lost the last two times that we were there, and we were going to play three times in a row. In this stadium. So I guess if you really want to think that, I mean, you know, one of the bad things about Auburn social media is that there is so much pessimism out there, and I think it breeds more pessimism. So I I understand the fear behind it, but I never truly bought into the whole uh, there's a curse, um, there's something that we had to overcome here. And I'm surprised that the media didn't play it up more than they did, but I think more so than anything, it was Auburn fans playing it up more. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, I, 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 I had a feeling that we would. I mean, it's just kind of like the weird thing with Texas A&M, the away team wins, or this weird thing where when we go to Baton Rouge and we play Louisiana, we can't seem to win in recent history. <laughs> I know those are just silly little 
things. There's no such thing as official like voodoo or anything going on there. Um, but it, it does seem like that to a fan who has a little bit short-sighted vision of what's actually going on. And, and really, two games, you lose two games in a stadium against two very good opponents. I don't think that's a problem. And I, I think it, it may also have been fans just wanted Gus to prove that he can win against a top-level opponent in early season. And we hadn't been able to see that a lot of times because we would play somebody like Clemson who would right. go to the playoffs. Yeah. And I'm glad we finally got out of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay, it's pretty even, this this game. What do you think – I mean, both teams, they had so many good assets. Their quarterback was very good. Our quarterback was very good. Their defensive line was very good at getting uh, – stopping our run game a lot of times. There, it was just so back and forth the whole game. What do you think was that extra little bit that got Auburn to win this game? I don't think it's a factor that you can quantify on a stat sheet, on the field, uh, something that you necessarily can't see unless you're really paying attention. And I think that is the attitude of this team, the belief in this team. And I think that goes on so many levels. And yes, I'm going to do a little self-promotion here for uh, the article I wrote today, that I think it explains why I, I believe the determining factor for this Auburn team that got into some old habits, some ones where they got off to fast starts and they couldn't figure out how to change things up and get them going. This program, these players, and these assistant coaches believe in Coach Malzahn. And not that they didn't before, but now that the monkey's off his back in terms of is he in that window of uh, – he has to make it happen within a certain time or he's going to get fired like all the other coaches, at least in a relative time frame that happened. The determining factor here is there's a belief in a idea, in a vision that Coach Melzon has for this. And when you are sold out to that and maybe all, that one person in Coach Melzon, it loosens everybody's up because they're not so worried about what's going to happen to them because they know their coach has their back because he's not fighting for his skin at this point. And so you can make plays like the one that was made on defense at the end of the game. You can do sometimes stupid things. The freedom that this program is experiencing right now is what the determining factor in this game was. Oh, I really like that point. Uh, I was going to go more of like an X's and O's, but that's definitely a, a point that there's a lot of, hope and and faith in Gus Malzahn now that there's I mean if we had lost it there would have been fans that would have come out and said fire Gus again of course and 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 even halfway through the game I saw one of my friends Facebook posts and I mean this was like third quarter which was the the pits of this game and he was saying fire Gus and I was like are you kidding me (laughs) like we're not even like full the way uh, all the way through the game and you're already pulling out the gun saying fire him like what the heck um calm calm your britches down um and i'm glad that we now have a coach that has stability and the the assistant coaches have the flexibility like you mentioned uh to call what they need to maybe make some uh plays or calls that that are a little risky because if we had thought about it it's fourth and 15 if they it was just very quickly throw a little screen route or something. They could have easily gotten up the field and maybe even scored a touchdown, and then the game would have been over. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad we called that because I don't think they were expecting it because we hadn't called a blitz of probably more than five or maybe even six guys. Uh, and then we called blitz where we 
rush seven guys. Yeah. That's just the the extra what <laughs> Auburn's doing this is yeah. not something we normally do. <laughs> um and I'm sure their senior quarterback didn't think we were gonna do that because we're, he's probably thinking we're just playing prevent on us, but no, nah, we <laughs> we wanted to bring him down. Uh let's talk about some offense now. Uh what did you think of our offense? Uh, it started fast. Third quarter got shut down. Adjustments probably by Washington help, uh, encouraged our defense or our offense to not do very well. Um, and then at the end, putting that long drive together to finally get in the end zone. What did you make of this offense? I'd say offense of two halves. Uh, well, really, honestly, there's an offense of three different sections. There's the thing, the offense that started the game, the offense that we were frustrated by in the middle part of the majority of the game, and then the one at the end. And I'm more encouraged by what I saw at the beginning and the end than frustrated by what was happening in the vast majority part for the middle of the game there because – I saw growth in certain areas, still saw some things I didn't like in certain areas, but the good outweighed the bad for me overall for the offense. Okay. Yeah, and I, I agree. When you look at the whole the, the whole game itself, there there was going to be – Washington was too good on defense to allow us to continue like we had on our scoring drives this game and even get down into the red zone multiple times and, and then get stopped by the – field goals we were kind of expecting that i mean that's why i gave it a 24 to 21 prediction i thought there was going to be multiple field goals potentially in this game uh what did you think of our running backs i mean some people were kind of down about it there were people even behind you and me in our uh in our seats that were just really just like why are you running gus um and you're like <laughs> because we run the ball and that's what we do is what i was thinking um what okay? What what was this running game? We didn't have a guy over eight, over a hundred yards. Cam Martin had eighty yards. Uh, Bowie Whitlow only had fourteen until the last two carries he had, uh, and then right behind that you have Jared Stidham um, scrambling his butt off because I'm glad he did. But uh, what did you make of our running game this game? Well, if we were going to go off of what the two guys behind us who had had a little too much, if you know what I'm saying, um, yeah. their judgment of our running game, we're going to be in for a long season. Um, I, I think it definitely, again, this is part of the frustration here. The problem that I have with making a judgment on this running game, I can't really make a fair judgment on the running backs because of what I saw against the offensive line. Um, and their inability to open up some holes, some missed assignments, some um, false starts. You know, a lot of the problems with the running game started up front with that line. And it's the first game, so I'm willing to give them a little leeway. But I, I don't feel like I can make a fair statement on the actual running backs until I see an adequate game from the offensive line, if that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And uh you see with Gus's and now Chip Lindsay's offense, offensive line, a lot of times that's the determining factor of how far a running back can go in a season. Uh, I mean, carry on Johnson many times. He, he could get through the hole real quick. And that was because the offensive line would open it up and then get to the secondary. There was a lot of times you just see <laughs> boo at low or, uh, <laughs> I mean, we really didn't see anybody else besides Cam Martin and Boo Uh that 
made any dent in the running game. Uh, and and I expect for the next game we'll probably see a little bit more people. I mean, I was expecting to see Asa, but that didn't happen. Uh, okay, quarterback play. We had Stidham, pretty solid, 26 of 36, uh, 230, uh, 273 yards, and a touchdown to Sal Canella on that very first touchdown. Uh, the whole game he was only sacked two times, uh, and that's pretty impressive. Uh, right. I. I a lot of that had to do with, and I'm sure Chip Lindsey knew it, he's got a, a new gelling uh, offensive line, needed to give him some extra space uh, to to run around and do his thing without getting just demolished right. uh, like he had uh, in games where he, like the Clemson game or SEC championship. Uh, there there were times when he just needed to get out. Um, what did you make of Sidham's play this this game? I thought it was a very solid start to a high expectations season. Um, and before I go expound on Stidham's play, I do when I criticize a player or I criticize a, a group of players, I do want to give um, positive things where they are due. And I will say that for much of the game, I thought the pass protection of the offensive line, as you referred to him, only getting sacked two times the whole game. That, I think, was key for helping Stidham, who got off to a rough start last year, feel comfortable and feel poised in this game. So I will commend the offensive line on that point. Uh, But more to Stidham and executing with the time that they gave him. Um, I will say this, and I don't want us to get into the whole, is he the next Cam Newton? Is he bound for the Heisman type of thing? But if you were going to start a Heisman campaign, I don't think you could have done much better in a reasonable sense. 26 of 36, 200, almost 300 yards, a touchdown and a, not just a touchdown, but a rocket perfectly placed to where only his tall tight end can get it. I mean, AJ, I just, I couldn't believe that throw. Yeah. And there were many other throws that Stidham was on the exact same page as his wide receivers. Right. Uh, The, Okay, run down the field, 20 yards. You see Stidham scrambling a little bit. The running back turns around at the perfect moment, catches the ball, gets a first down. And even Chandler Cox, this this game, I'm still amazed at how well he did. And sure, he's a senior, but like it was in rare situations last year where he would go out and catch passes. And this time, he was the guy that seemed to be the outlet route, and he got four receptions for 52 yards. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing I like, that chemistry going on between Stidham and his wide receivers. That made me feel really good considering we knew our, our wide receivers were talented, but already having that chemistry sets us up very well for the rest of the season. And I think that goes back to what I was talking about earlier with how the confidence in uh, Gus Malzahn at the top bleeds down to all aspects of this. When everyone's comfortable, you can see the things like you're talking about with the wide receivers and Jarrett Stidham being on such a like just the basically about the same page that you can be in this game. And I think that's why you're seeing that because of everything that flows down from the top. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everything you can see Stidham's confident. He knows what he's doing because Chip Lindsay knows what he's doing because Chip Lindsay knows that Gus knows what he's doing. And and that's a great feeling um, when you got a system that is working for you. Right. And I think another, just to bring up your article, I, I really like the point that you made. We're not trying to be the university of Alabama. We're trying to be Auburn university and we do things maybe a little bit different, but in the longevity of college football, we don't want 
it to be a flash in the pan. We want it to be a long running, uh, possibly something that, that we look back and say this was the greatest time in Auburn football of all times. And I'm glad we now have that stability uh, with at least the head coach. Right. Uh, we touched on a little bit the wide receivers, the chemistry going on between them and Jarrett Stenham. Uh Were there any that stood out to you in this game? Uh, in terms of wide receivers, um, I think you can kind of make your pick here because, uh, yeah, you know, Sal Canella had a great catch there. You've you got to give him um, credit for the presence of mind to position himself in such a way where only he could go get, and obviously credit goes to Jared as well for placing it there. Ryan Davis is an obvious pick, uh, seven catches for 52 yards. Uh, you knew that was you were going to see that from him. I, I liked how they utilized Cam Martin in the passing game here. You know, sometimes people get frustrated with those little dink and dunk passes I do myself. Yeah. But when you've got a guy with that type of speed and it's just not happening in the running game, you got to find another way to utilize that speed. So I think utilizing non-traditional wide receivers like Chandler Cox and Cam Martin were what stood out to me in the wide receiver format. Yeah, and those those players I was not expecting uh, to get many passes. Even a Cam Martin, I was maybe anticipating one or two uh, valve passes to him. Oh no, all the other wide receivers are are just covered up completely. Let's pass it to Cam Martin. But these were some sometimes very designed for Cam Martin to get out in space. Um, one odd, odd thing also that I noticed we we've done in the past with our wide receivers and specifically Eli Stove has been the sweet speed sweep. We didn't do that at all this game. Right? Did you make any heads or tails of why we didn't do that? And we did so many times last season. I think this goes back to an even uh, further gripe that sometimes Auburn fans would have Gus Messalzano, that sometimes he doesn't change his things up. You know, we clamor for that, but then he does exactly what you've been asking him, change it up. And we do that, and people are upset about they're not seeing the speed sweep. I saw them fake it a lot and set it up, and they're yeah. going to use the speed sweep. I think what you saw is exactly that. Gus Malzahn realizing people are starting to read the speed sweep, and we've got to show them something else if that's going to work. Because when it works, it is a thing of beauty, a la Ontario McCaleb LSU game during 2000. Uh, yeah. I forget the year now. 2010, just busting it through there to win the game there. So, you know, I love the speed sweep, but I love that they're trying to be different. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, there, there's a lot of... Uh, I, I immediately I, I thought, oh crap! Why aren't we doing the speed sweep? We were setting it up. You saw the guy coming across the field. Never used it, but you can see it's going to happen in the future. Uh, and I don't think we're going to go away from it completely. I was honestly just expecting somebody really quick, like a the new speedster uh, Anthony Schwartz or somebody to get in there for one play. Uh, run it outside, beat a few guys, and uh, maybe pick up a few yards. And um, to go back to further on your question, too, not just to move away from the speed sweep, but other wide receivers that stuck out. You know, the problem is not a lot of, I guess a good thing is not a lot of them stuck out because we spread the ball so well. I mean, you know, Darius yeah. Slayton got some catches. Nate Craig Myers got some catches. Seth Williams, a freshman, got some yeah. catches as well. He, you know, like three, two, and two there, respectively. And each got about 30 to 40 yards. I thought that while sometimes you would wish you'd have that star receiver being able to utilize all these weapons so well across the board it's just a blessing yeah and, and that makes it hard for a team to uh, key off on a guy I mean you saw in in the games towards the end when we were uh, with Ryan Davis I mean we used him a lot 
but teams would they would kind of figure out what he's doing in the game. And that made it, again, really tough to pass to that guy. And I feel like we're spreading out the ball so evenly. That's going to be uh, a thing to make it a little bit harder for them to scout and be like, all right, this guy's going to do this and that. Um, I think in the future it's going to be really good. Yeah. All right. Um, any other thoughts uh, on on offense before we move on to defense? Well, I know we haven't touched on the running backs a whole lot, but I, I I do think that we will have more to say about that, or I should say you and Ben will have more to say about that in the coming games. I just don't think it's right now fair to make an assessment of it based off the offensive line play because, yes, Booby Whitlow had one great play at the end of the game. I believe Cam Martin could have made that same play, to be honest. Um, so I don't want to get overhyped and say, well, he's the guy because he made this one awesome play. Just like I don't want to, I don't think anybody's saying Sal Canella is the next greatest wide receiver because he made one awesome play. It's all about putting players in the right positions at the right times, and then they have to execute. And that happened in both those instances. So running backs, we'll talk about you more later. Yeah, yeah, agreed. There's going to be plenty more talk. I, I just feel like at this point, we put in Cam Martin and uh, because he was the, the veteran running back there. But I think we're going to see what, what pans out probably in three to four games, who's going to be that, that headlining guy for running back for Auburn. Right. Uh, in defense, we had five sacks. Pretty solid start. Uh, I was expecting pretty good numbers from our defensive line and front seven, and uh, sure enough, they showed out. Uh, put a lot of pressure um, on Washington, uh, their offensive line, on their quarterback. Uh we we managed to to keep Washington to only 16 points uh and I, I that's incredible considering last season they only had one game i think under 20 mm-hmm. uh and that was that game against uh what was it Arizona State or something right. where they just couldn't put anything together uh so in, I, it's a very commendable defensive uh especially when we had all sorts of uh offensive issues in the third quarter um, they, they, again, are our backbone a lot of times and I'm glad we have them and Kevin still, uh, we can't give him enough praise for what he's doing with this, uh, defense already, uh, in just one game. And, uh, Kyle, what is your, your outlook on this, uh, defense and what they did in this game? Well, AJ, I have to admit something to you. Um, I would say I'm ashamed to admit this, but at the same time, I'm not, I have a huge man crush on Kevin Steele. Uh, I mean, the man just knows how to coach defense and he's had a great tenure and career across the board going all throughout the SEC. There's a reason Tennessee came after him, but I mean, you want to talk about, you know, this is a family show, but the cojones to call that type of call with the game on the line, knowing how, at least at that point, dominant uh, Washington had been in terms of uh, Jake Browning and his wide receivers being in the connection there to call what was essentially an all-out blitz with minimal coverage uh, in the back end of that and to have your players be a little surprised, honestly, but at the same time believe in it and execute it. Sign me up now. I'll go to prom with Kevin Steele any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're – I mean, you can make a video about – Asking Kevin Steele, but I highly doubt he's going to accept it. Yeah, well, he, if he didn't accept Tennessee, he ain't going to accept me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Huskies managed to score only one touchdown. This is another crazy stat on six drives inside the 25-yard line. 
Wow. Uh, that's a lot of times for them to drive down and our defense to just be strong, cause turnovers, uh, make them miss field goals. Uh, it was, it was a great time. Um, the one thing on defense that is my gripe was all of the pass interferences. Uh, some of those warranted, some of them very much not. Uh, some, you're talking about those, the vast majority of them? Yeah, you're probably right. A vast majority, uh, 90% of them. Uh, I mean, to look at the p- penalties on both sides, they either both teams are completely undisciplined or these refs were just ready to call things. And I'm pretty sure it was the latter because... Auburn is a pretty disciplined team. Washington, a very disciplined team too. And to have a combined 200 yards of penalties the whole game, that's absurd for both teams. Right. Yeah. And I think. What did you make? I mean, you like to do the ref rant, as, as I like to call it, on the Inside the Jungle podcast. Do you have one for this? Because it seemed like in the moment you did. <laughs> well, I'll say this much. There was a moment at the very end of the game where I told you I could not watch any more of this if they call one more penalty on Auburn. And yeah. there was a, the moment where they threw another flag, and I was literally grabbing my stuff to go stand down in the hall because I, I couldn't stand to be like confined <laughs> in my seat anymore. And luckily they, they called it on Washington, and it seemed pretty fair from that point on. So I I stayed in my seat. I will say that. Um, That's I'm going to try to be, you know, contained here. If they want to hear reference, they can come to Inside the Jungle where we talk about Auburn basketball. But, you know, (laughs) I think I've said my piece and I think most people would agree that the refs were definitely not up to their standard. They should be in this game. Yeah. And there were multiple times. I don't know what the heck those refs. They were either one of two things a lot of times with Auburn not getting the calls that we were wanting, but then sometimes doing the reverse and you're like, what is going on? Either the refs are really happy with throwing flags or they're just like, eh, I'm just going to keep that pocket, uh, the flag in my pocket. You just could never figure out what is the consistency going on with these refs. And that, that was more of the frustration that I had. Right. You'd see Auburn getting held and then something weird go on where I don't remember. There were so many different, penalties they all blur together now right uh i'm i'm just glad that we ended up coming out and we can't blame the rest for this one uh maybe washington fans are <laughs> complaining but no they no they uh they were in the game a lot of the times because of the refs yeah yeah they can't complain um and the defense was there anybody that stood out to you that maybe you weren't even expecting to be a standout player for for our defensive uh for our defense I don't know. That's a tough question because there were so many standout performances at different points in the game. Uh, yeah, there was a little time in the middle of the game there where we were getting some offsides penalties from the defensive linemen. But I mean, across the board here at Ontavis, Russell, Derek Brown, Nick Coe, uh, you just you throw out a name basically on the defensive line and you can pick a winner for this game so in true. terms of performance here. I guess if you push me to it, the guy that I was already watching and hoping was going to be the what I thought it'd be would be uh Deshaun Davis the quarterback of the defense and how the, there was a point where he I saw him uh, go to the defensive lineman late in the game he saw how misaligned they were and he slaps both of them on the butt the defensive tackles and moves them <laughs> over and in the, ended up they ended up getting a tackle for a loss because Deshaun shot through there and made the tackle because of that and he he's he's just a smart guy and he is He's the leader of the defense, but I would almost push to say he's the the captain and the the spirit of this team. 
Wow, even over somebody like Jarrett? Yeah, I, I would. Uh, Jarrett's a big part of it, but I think the leader of this team is Deshaun Davis. Okay. Uh, I mean, he's got the charisma for it. Right. And to have him uh, lining these guys up, and not to say Jarrett doesn't do that on offense because he obviously does, and he's a great leader on the offense, but you uh, you can kind of see he's uh, he's probably leaning over and talking to the offensive linemen too and uh, motivating the the offensive side of the ball to, hey, guys, guys, we got your back. If you need to, we got you, that kind of thing. And that that's the kind of player that you want to have on your team. The player I think that stood out the most to me, and it's good to see him now that he's transitioned to the defense, is Noah Egmanogany. Mm-hmm. And he had five tackles. Uh, three of those were solo tackles. Um, he had two pass deflections in huge situations. Uh, that guy knew how to find the ball. Um, there were one time, I think, where it was an obvious he had that pass interference down the field, and you're just like, dude, you got to – if you're going to commit pass interference, make sure the guy does not catch the ball. Right. And that's where I think it was like the 40-yard pass or something um, from Browning. And you're just like, okay, okay. you got to remember he's a new guy to the defense. Uh, but considering those stats, he was a standout for me. No, I think that's a great pick because I think that's where you look for Jake Browning uh, and Chris Peterson to say, hey, this is the guy we need to exploit. He's the – uh, fresh, not freshman, but he's the younger guy. He's the guy that's transitioned over, and he is going to um, be the one that probably most likely must make some mistakes. And he did make some mistakes, but he also made some very great plays. So if you had told me Noah Igbenogany, and I said it correct, right, Igbenogany, you got it. Yes, <laughs> uh, I would have given him as many stars for his performance that are in his last name. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, he's. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he does the rest of the season on on defense. Uh, any other standout players uh, from the de- maybe even defensive uh, backfield that really stood out to you? Um, I saw some things that I didn't like at a defensive back at times where they kind of were uh, missing some assignments, some wide open players. Uh, there were a couple of injuries I didn't like there as well. So I I feel like it's the same, not as bad, but a similar story. To the offensive line where I can't make a super fair judgment yet on that back area because I haven't seen how it's going to all mesh yet. I think, like you said, Igbenogany is the guy to kind of point to right there for a great performance. But everybody else had decent performance, but I want to see what happens in the next couple games before I make a judgment call on that. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of great guys, and uh, I haven't picked out one that I'm going to be like, that's going to be our lockdown cornerback like Carlton Davis was last season. Uh, there's, there's some guys that are standing out like Iggy and, uh, Jeremiah Denson, both of those, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're the key players that you need to have that will deflect passes when need to, um, just got to see what they do, uh, in, in games coming. Uh, all right. It was crazy. There was lots of fun things that went on, even on defense, uh, especially that fumble and the scooping should have been a scooping score, but of course Browning barely got it out of there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was almost a scooping score. Um, there were some fun things uh, to look forward to on this de- uh, on defense. There was even an interception by our one-handed guy. Um, just incredible. Um, I- I'm so happy that we have such a good defense that you can rely on. Um, special teams. We-, we now have, for sure, Anders Carlson. He's kicking it. 
and uh, he wasn't perfect. He was three for five. Uh, he missed uh, a couple. One was a 33-yarder. The other was a 54-yarder that he missed. The 54-yarder, I excuse, 33, not so much. But I, I had to remind myself, this is his first college game. He's got the game game jitters just like every other player does. He's just got to get settled in there. Right. He's got, what, three three seasons and 11, 12, 13 games left. Right. Almost four seasons. He's got a long time here at Auburn. I'm not going to stress over those two missed field goals. Yeah, I, I don't think I will that. either because I think that he's living up to a, a big name there in his, his brother. Yeah. Uh, and he's already shown the capacity to be able to match his power. Uh, accuracy based on this game maybe a little bit more in question. Um, but I don't worry about that as much as I maybe not worry, but want to pay more attention to some other areas like punting. Uh, because, I, again, I saw some good punts at times, but at the very beginning of the game, I think there was that one punt that just went like, really high it didn't go that far and we we're like yeah here we go maybe, again maybe 25 yards or something yep and that was from aiden marshall and i think right after that we didn't see aiden marshall the rest of the game we put on There's a reason uh, for that we put on our australian aaron in there <laughs> uh and he he did a phenomenal job uh, i'm glad aaron is in there um he, the one thing and maybe it's the australian way to kick it um normally american style football you put the spiral on it Aiden Marshall does that. Pretty much all college football kickers do that. And yet Aaron was putting a little backspin on it, and I thought that was kind of interesting, and still kicking it just as far, if even not further, than the guys putting the spiral on the ball. Yeah, it's an uh, interesting I'm, way to do it, and um, I'm not sure which way is harder for a punt return to catch, uh, but I, I don't see any problem with why we're still trying to work out who's the punter. Let's see which way works the best. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of... Um, it's kind of like we, we see what Aaron can do. We've seen him in a couple punt situations now. Uh, we saw a lot of Aiden Marshall last season. We know what we can expect, and if what we've heard and before this game or before this game even started in the season, that Aiden Marshall has improved significantly, gotten stronger, and it's still up in the air as far as who's going to be the consistent punter. I honestly don't want there to be. Uh, situations where we use different punters in different situations. I kind of like the consistency of just having one punter out there. But uh, in the early games, I think it's good to try these guys out and see what they can do. Right. Uh, punt returners. We had Ryan Davis. Uh, he had a 42-yard uh, return, well, over three different punts. Um, but still incredible. That's a bright, shining light in this special teams that we very much needed. I can't remember when we've had really good returns in the punt game in a very long time. Right. And good to see Ryan and our coverage just being great um, to get him opportunities. And even there was what one that got called back because of uh, it was either a holding or a block in the back, and he would have gone even further. Right. Yeah, the uh, um, special teams is not um, have a lack of – athletes to use whether it be ryan davis igbenogany or even with booby whitlow um so you will see explosiveness i just want to make sure the consistency with catching the ball that we saw in this game continues throughout the season yeah and that's that's always i hold my breath i know you hold your breath 
everybody in my family holds their breath when the punt's up in the air and then the split second when it hits the uh, punt returner's hand and you're just like, "Ah, please hold on to the ball. Right. Hold on to the ball. Don't get hit in the face and fumble the ball. Like fair catch it. If, if you're scared, just catch it. (laughs) Uh, Oh, one interesting thing. Speaking of the uh, fair catching, did you see the new rule being enacted where if you fair catch it, and I think it's the if you're on a kickoff and you fair catch it and it's past the ten yard line, then the ball gets moved to the twenty five yard line. Did you see, did you notice that during the game? I, I did, and it was very confusing at times. Or at times it was just the one time. But it, it, it you know, I haven't decided yet whether I like that or not. Um, I guess it's good, but it was really confusing. I wish I had been more aware of it. So I wasn't like throwing my hands up in the air screaming, what are you doing? But. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was thinking, crap, he's going to get pinned down at the eight yard line or something. And why are you doing this? You have so much open field in front of you. Um, but I, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I kind of liked it. I thought it would, um, cause a lot of times I think kickers are getting to the point where they can kick it, get it really high and get it, almost as I'm trying to like equate this to almost like a onside kick. So I'm curious how that's going to go. Right. Um, with this next, uh, this next season with this new role. Um, any other final thoughts before we go, Kyle? No, I think this is a, uh, a game which people need to kind of look in its different sections and see that the, you can be frustrated with what you saw in the middle with the offense and, and at times some things with the defense, but I think you need to be more encouraged by what you saw at the beginning and how they finished the game and really look past some of the frustrations that you have that you might have still seen and look at what's going on with this team, whether it's with Deshaun Davis being the overall leader of the, of the field and the whole team, uh, Jarrett Stidham continue to do what he does. Uh, the talent at wide receiver, defensive line. There is so much to be excited for of this year, but I'm interested to see what's going to happen going beyond this and how this season may be the benchmark for what's going to be for the rest of the Gus Malzahn era. Yeah, yeah, you make a good point. Uh, and a lot of people would, will kind of hold on to that negative feeling about this game because there were some negative feelings that you and I had. Right. But what is it at the end of the day? People, they see the W. The playoff committee sees the W. That's all that matters. We got a big win over a number six. Remember, I remind you, number six team in the nation. And a very good team, too. They will be probably Pac-12 champions when this is all said and done. Yeah, yeah. And they still, I mean, they could easily run the table and make it to the playoffs. I mean, right. it's a non-conference game like it was just for us. There's a good possibility of, of that happening for them. Um, I'm glad we got this game over with uh, and we we were able to pull out the win. Um, I'm looking forward to the next week against Alabama State. Uh, and before we go, Kyle, do you want to give them your social media contacts so they can get in contact with you? Yeah, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Tiger24. Also, I'm on the Inside the Jungle show with Clint Richardson where we talk about Auburn men's basketball. We just did a recent episode uh, they're kind of detailing the newly released uh, schedule for the basketball team for this upcoming season. So go check that out. And if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. And you can find me on E2C Networks and their Twitter account because I follow and do a bunch of stuff on there. And you can uh, just follow all the Auburn stuff going on. So I uh, have fun with that. 
and finding all the fun gifts that you'll be seeing. Yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> floating around the Twitter sphere and, and, and Facebook. Uh, it's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?